0: welcome bird gang on today's show time for the scouting combine all 32 teams some 300 plus draft prospects all descend on indianapolis which cardinal fans know want to see and hear this week also some new thoughts on the franchise tag first though is your passport up to date it's cardinals cover Two, episode 539 and it starts now
1: Uh, it's not very good, but, I, you know, I, I know certain words.
0: Certain words. All right. Maybe I can lean on my daughter who is taking Spanish in high school. First-year Spanish students, I do not know a lot of Spanish. Full disclosure, griolu, it's French. So I took French growing up. Don't know a lot of it anymore. Kind of forgot it. But, hey, we might need to brush up on our Spanish because the Arizona Cardinals are headed to Mexico City to play a regular season game in 2022. Right now, we don't know the dates, the opponents, or the time, but we do know that of the 17 regular season games, one of those will be an international contest.
1: Yeah, so the Cardinals will now play eight 2020 regular season games at State Farm Stadium, eight on the road, and one is des- designated neutral site game in Mexico City. Again, I think when the schedule comes out, possibly in May, maybe the second week in May, I think it was last last year it was in May, then we'll find out the opponent.
0: And some just not – Okay. Speculate. I'll say it. You spitballing? Speculating here because if you remember back in December, the league awarded marketing licenses to Mexico or in Mexico to nine different teams. Cardinals were one of those nine teams. Cowboys, Texans, Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, Rams, 49ers, and Steelers also in that mix. Well, if you look, Cardinals host the Chiefs, 49ers, and Rams this upcoming season. It would make sense that one of those three opponents potentially be the opponent for the Cardinals at this neutral site game. So instead of eights or I should say instead of nine home games, now you have eight with one of those 49ers, Rams, or the Chiefs being now in Mexico City.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because the Cardinals got a really impressive home schedule. That that means they're going to have a really tough schedule because uh, when you look at strength of schedule based on last year's records, they're number two right now going into the season. Of course, we don't know – you know, how the schedule is going to be unfolded. Uh, is, you know, uh, who do they face when it comes to different quarterbacks? Uh, you know, is Aaron Rodgers on, still on the roster with possibly? So, yeah, you know, I would like to see a division game. Um, you know, I'd like to see that home game with the Chiefs at State Farm Stadium. I mean, they got selfishly. Selfishly, yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm clearly whatever the, the game is, we're going to obviously cover it, but selfishly, I like to see that. And, Uh, But I do think that, you know, based on you connecting dots, those could be three of the options.
0: And you talk about a division opponent, the 49ers. They were the opponent of the Cardinals back in 2005 when the Cardinals played the first regular season game held outside of the U.S. That was once again in Mexico City at Estadio Azteca. Over 103,000 fans in attendance for that game, and it was one of the episodes of Folktales. Bird Gang, if you missed it or want to revisit it, go to azcardinals.com. You can also check out the official YouTube page of the Arizona Cardinals and go back and revisit that moment for the Arizona Cardinals. They won 31 14, but so much surrounding that game before kickoff, during the game, and post game that I think is a fun look back.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, you go back to the folktales, and and really it was Robert Griffin coming out with the flag, and that was kind of a a statement right there that, you know, obviously the Cardinals, um, proximity-wise, do have fans in Mexico City. We have Rolando Cantu, who obviously does a ton of uh, football camps over there, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, The Cardinals did play the Rams in London, and now you're starting to see the NFL reach out to possibly Germany now, Um, So they already checked that box, but I, I do think they'll have a nice little fan base there.
0: Yeah, five teams designated to play an international regular season game. Those five teams designated earlier on Monday. The Packers, Saints, Jaguars, those three teams will be playing in London. The Buccaneers playing in Germany, the league's first-ever game in Munich. And the Cardinals right now playing in Mexico City. Again, we'll find out the opponents a little bit later on, but we kind of speculate on who we think it might be. And it might be a good time at some point, maybe when we get the opponent, when we get the specifics as far as date, time, and opponent To bring Rolando back on the show here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and kind of get his perspective on going back to Mexico City. I know in that Folk Tales episode, disappointed that he wasn't active for that game, but he was the fan favorite. Michael Bidwell told a great story on how when the players were exiting the bus, you know, Larry Fitzgerald would walk off and everyone's looking, where's Rolando? And he would get swarmed when he walked off the bus and number 11 would just walk off and no one you know, bothered him at all, which for Fitz was probably great. But this is a big moment for the Arizona Cardinals. Again, this was on the radar schedule two years ago, but because of the pandemic, it was canceled canceled a year ago in 2020 there were no international games at all in 2019 or 2020 so now here we are or i should say 2020 and 2021 but here we are and i think it's going to be a lot of fun and i would invite a lot of bird gang to make sure your passport's up to date and start making those travel arrangements or at least once we know Dates and time.
1: Yeah, that game in Mexico at uh, Azteca, as you mentioned, one hundred and three thousand four hundred and sixty-seven fans. That's the eighth largest crowd in NFL history. Now, um, the other teams, obviously, we talked about. The Packers will become the thirty-second NFL team to play in London since two thousand seven. they have never been there, and I think it's because obviously they're, um, you know, um, they're owned by the fans. And they really didn't never want to give up a home game, which I understand not a lot of teams do, and they haven't hosted a Super Bowl, and we, we can get into some of the details of that because now it's going to be different with this 17-game schedule. But they finally – I'm assuming they have nine home games this year, and they're finally giving up one. That's the first time, and that's that's interesting, all 32 teams – Since 2007, we'll have checked that box.
0: Glad you brought up the, I wouldn't say requirement, but there was a resolution passed when the league expanded the regular season to 17 games. At that point, teams would play at least one designated team or one designated game internationally on a rotating basis. So everyone's going to get eight home games, eight road games, but if you are nine home games that year and it's every other year you get that ninth home game, there is a chance – and a very good chance that that ninth game is a neutral site outside of the U.S.
1: Yeah, and so it really shouldn't affect the uh, season tickle holders because you're still going to get eight games at home, and we know the uh, Red Sea and the Bird Gang do a nice job traveling, um, and, and now when the schedule comes out, they're going to have to circle uh, which of those games they want to go to. So, again, I can't wait for May. Um, because, again, I'm, I'm really excited about the schedule, and we know that this team's going to have to win at home. That's one of the uh, things, a point of emphasis they've been discussing um, compared to last year, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, how they who they open up with, how many prime times they, games they get, and then, obviously, when they're playing in Mexico.
0: By the way, one other notes on the potential of a Cardinals-49ers matchup in 2022 in Mexico City, that first meeting in 2005, I believe – and I don't know this for a fact, but I believe there is just one player still active from that game. Andy Lee, his second year in the league, punted for the 49ers, punted seven times in the loss. So if he does resign, now all of a sudden his second year in the league, he's playing against the Cardinals in Mexico City and potentially his last season in the league if it is his last season. But Another year, but now he's on the opposite sideline kicking against the 49ers.
1: You talk about a you know, full circle right there. I mean, he was the opponent, and now he's with the Cardinals. And Craig, I mean, you've got to be right about this because we're talking about 17 years between. If Larry was still here, you could say, well, he would be the other guy. I don't think over a 17 year span. And because of the nature of the position, punters and long snappers and kickers, they last a lot longer than position players. Andy Lee's
0: 39. This will be his 18th year in the league.
1: He was in the same draft class as Larry Fitzgerald.
0: And I believe not only that, teammates at Pittsburgh. I don't think they were roommates, but teammates at Pittsburgh. That is correct.
1: That's how long he's been in the league. God bless him.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and we've been very open and honest here on Cardinals Cover 2 that uh, at least I want Andy Lee back punting and holding for the Arizona Cardinals coming up this season.
1: Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, uh, you know, th- there were times last year when maybe, you know, obviously there were some issues when you didn't have Aaron Brewer in there and then the whole Colt McCoy and, you know, Ryan uh, Winslow was the holder. That's not ideal for any any kicker. And Matt Prater's a much better kicker than maybe he showed, so hopefully he's going to win some close games. But um, I like all three of those guys. Uh, Prater is under contract. I think, you know, Aaron Brewer – has a great relationship with Jeff Rogers and Andy Lee. So hopefully that unit can stay intact because you're going to win some games with those guys.
0: Six of Matt Prater's nine misses came in just two games. Week 11 at Seattle, he missed three times. Didn't have Aaron Brewer. Week 15 against the Colts, missed three times. Didn't have Andy Lee. So snapper, holder, kicker, to me it's a package deal. But that's me speculating again, not knowing exactly what the team is looking for once free agency begins. Well,
1: and and again, I mean, I I can't speak for those guys, but all these guys got families. They're referring to Lee and Brewer, and I mean, they love Arizona. Uh, they have a lot of respect for Jeff Rogers, and you know, again, it comes down to money. But I don't think these guys are trying to break the bank. Uh, obviously, Aaron Brewer's c- carved out a nice career. I and mean, when you can have that skill set at that position, you last a, you last a long time. So there's familiarity there, and. It all goes back to, uh, you know, Jeff Rogers and his relationship with those guys. So I, I unless one retires and I haven't heard anything like that, I, I would assume they're all going to come back. It may not be the first signing, but obviously you'd like to see him in camp. Aaron Brewer, 10
0: years in the league, the last six with the Arizona Cardinals. So, yeah. Nice little pension for him. You can last a long, long time in the National Football League on special teams. Speaking of free agency and what might be headed down the road for the Arizona Cardinals, the franchise tag. I know we kind of discussed it late last week here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. The window is open and it will remain open through March 8th, which is a week from Tuesday. A lot of talk about Chandler Jones, by the way. 32 years old, Chandler Jones, on the 27th. So a belated happy birthday to the former Syracuse All-Pro. But when we talk about the franchise tag, a new name I want to discuss here with the MJ, and that name is Zach Ertz, tight end position. Because is he a top priority of this franchise in free agency? I would think so, based off what he accomplished when he was here, those 11 games. So the franchise tag. Does it make sense, now, the tight end tag, $11 million. Ertz made eight and a half last season, split between the Eagles and Cardinals. If you can't come to a long-term deal, or if you're worried that some team might come in with a better offer, does it make sense for the Arizona Cardinals to tag a Zach Ertz?
1: Well, the only thing way that would happen is is, is they feel like he's asking for more money. But to me, you know, if he's coming off making $8 million, um, Maybe you give him a two- or three-year deal. Maybe he never sees the third year, but I'm holding on to that tag and hoping I can get him at a lower rate and push the money around and give him a nice little bonus money. It sounds like he'd like to be here, but at the end of the day, you know, he's got to do his best for his family. But he was a huge addition when Max Williams went down. It's, they're not real deep at that position. I hope they retain Max Williams. You know, bring him in as a minimum guy, maybe one or two million, and then if he's active on game day, you can make close to fifty thousand a game. And then when we talked talked about the draft, I wouldn't take a tight end in the first couple of rounds, but it's so deep. So that's a position where we don't talk about until an injury occurs, and we know that Max Williams is the perfect eleven personnel tight end because he's kind of the meat and potatoes. He can block, he can release, he can chip. And he's got a relationship with Kyler Murray, and we know that Zach Ertz was the most targeted guy when Hop went down, and they used him more on the outside. And, and, again, he's not a great blocker, high effort, but you prefer to have Max Williams in there. And it wouldn't surprise me if a healthy Max Williams, you can go with two tight end sets where you got to try to figure out who's going to be the pass-catching tight end.
0: You mentioned the depth at tight end currently on the Arizona Cardinals roster. Here's the depth at tight end. <laughs> Alex Ellis, David Wells, Deion Yelder, and Bernard Sykovitz, all signed to future contracts.
1: That sounds like a law firm.
0: It does. I like that. Ellis Wells and Yelder with Sykovitz trying to become a partner. I, that, okay, that works for me.
1: Those aren't household names. No, they Even are not. though we're big fans of Psycho.
0: Ertz, Max Williams, Darrell Daniels, Demetrius Harris, all unrestricted free agents. Those are your four main tight ends that performed last season.
1: Daniels has been up and down. Uh, I think he, he got better as a blocker. He did have some penalties, and Demarius Harris was a guy that they were looking for a pass-catching tight end in training camp, so you know, he was more of just add-on. Uh, really didn't show a lot of flashes, so I would assume both of those guys, I mean, maybe you're bringing them to camp because normally you'll have six tight ends in camp, but clearly we're focusing more on the top three. And
0: specifically Zach Gertz because what he did, and keep in mind, he did not play a full season with the Cardinals. Just 11 games, all starts, but he tied the franchise single-season record for receptions, 56 by a tight end, and the first Cardinals tight end since 2003 with over 500 receiving yards. And again, he did that in just 11 games. So there was an immediate connection between quarterback and tight end, and you wonder how much that was – I don't know – Forced is the right word, but because you don't have DeAndre Hopkins, all of a sudden Kyler starts looking, all right, where's my safety valve? And typically that tight end, whether it's in the slot or coming across the middle, is that check down receiver. Now we did see Ertz take some balls and be that deep shot, but if you have a healthy DeAndre Hopkins, how much more effective could Zach Ertz be as far as how much the field opens up for a tight end down the middle between the uh, hash marks?
1: Yeah, it, it would have been interesting to see uh, if they could have played a, a lot more together as, as a team, but that didn't happen. And, and the good news is that Hop's going to be ready for off-season workouts. You and I want to keep him in a bubble, at least to week one. Don't think we'll see him in the preseason, but it is important for the quarterback and wide receivers to get on the same page when it comes to timing. And maybe Zach Ertz is the guy that's going to get everyone together and uh, you know have something because right now we, we haven't got the uh, offseason schedule. According to Michael Bidwell, he thinks it's going to be back on track. Obviously, the Players Association have a lot to say with that. Um, but at some point, these guys are going to have to work out on their own, and we know a lot of this stuff is voluntary.
0: And you go back to what Zach Ertz had to say the day after the season ended, January 18th, about Kyler Murray, quote, I'm confident that he's the guy to lead this team to success in the future, end quote. And then he added this with respect to their relationship, that the two of them, quote, just are scratching the surface as a tight end quarterback connection. So, and Ertz was very open and very candid about his time, his limited time here in Arizona. He enjoyed his time. Didn't end the way he wanted to, but I can see him wanting to come back in fact quote I've loved my time here in Arizona I would love the opportunity to continue here I still feel like we have unfinished business as a team I would love to be a part of it but that just might be out of my control end quote and yeah he might want to come back does the team want him back and if they do is it at a satisfactory price tag that Ertz says all right give me the pen
1: yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I I didn't realize he he made eight million between both teams. I was trying to think he can get him back at seven or eight million a year. Now, um, he's still very productive. Um, you know, he's a guy that's going to play forty-five to fifty snaps. Um, he's going to be maybe your second or third tar- target when it comes to the passing game, depending on what they do with a number two receiver. Clearly, Hop's going to get the majority of the targets and maybe not the volume of targets that he had in the past because he's more of a guy that really can stretch the field and then when it comes to getting touchdowns in the red zone. But I, I like Ertz on third down. I like him in the red zone. You know, I, it was unfortunate that, you know, that ball was tipped by Aaron Donald because I think that game would have turned out a little bit different even though it was so early in the game where that Ernest Jones jumped the route. And uh, Kyler Murray was looking for Zach Ertz. I mean, it's it's a quick throw, but the ball was tipped. And so he's he's a weapon, and you know we'll just have to wait and see what the wide receiver roster looks like, the running backs who they retain, who they bring in, and then where is he on the pecking order? But I gotta think you're, he's going to be your second or third option in the passing game. And the tight end position,
0: I know it doesn't get talked a lot about, and there still is that perception nationally, maybe even locally as well, that hey, Cliff Kingsbury, spread it out, four wide, five wide, we're just going to sling it. Yet if you look at the numbers as far as what you always say, 11 personnel, 12 personnel. Cardinals in 2021 ran 11 personnel, which is one tight end, 56% of the time, the most under Kingsbury in his three seasons. League average, about 60%. But you're talking about from where Kingsbury was in 2019, 36%. 2020, 46%. And this past season, 56% with a tight end, with at least one tight end, on the football field that to me one tells me it's not the air raid and two it tells me that kingsbury is opening up his mind figuring out what works what doesn't work and to utilize if you have a pass catching tight end and i would include max williams in that conversation as well but if you have a pass catching tight end you utilize them because all the focus is on deandre hopkins or it's on aj green or once upon a time larry fitzgerald you need that underneath guy to kind of stretch the field or open up the field a little bit for you.
1: Yeah, it's important to point out that's their base offense. If you are running 56% of the time, and you can see the numbers escalate uh, 10% each year since Cliff's been here. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised that I, th- I thought teams are running 11 personnel like 70% of the time because, I mean, that that's how you get teams to spread out. I mean, who do you double? Um, you know, obviously you, you got some of these great tight ends and, and George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and Gronk and Mark Andrews. They're mismatches. Football has been called matchups. Can a linebacker cover those guys in the open field? Could a safety who's not as big as those guys? So it makes sense, and, and, and I'm glad that those numbers reflect that. That's their base offense, at least it was in this previous season.
0: If, for whatever reason, you aren't able to bring back Zach Ertz and or Max Williams, you look at the free agents out there, the potential free agents, because maybe these players decide to re-sign or get tagged themselves. Dalton Schultz, Cowboys perhaps. Uh, there's been some talk in Dallas about Dalton Schultz being tagged. Rob Gronkowski is a free agent to beat. Does anyone believe that he'll play without Tom Brady? Probably not. David Njoku, Gerald Everett, Evan Ingram. There are some names out there. I don't know as far as cost versus bringing back Zach Ertz and or Max Williams but you can get them in free agency. And you've talked a lot here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, about the depth of tight end in this draft class. Maybe late first round, day two, day three. But there are some names that those draft analysts who follow this more than we do here have looked at the evolution of the tight end and how much more college teams use them to where they're more NFL-ready especially in their rookie seasons.
1: Yeah, I think that the plan would be um, is to re-sign Zach Ertz, um, re-sign Max Williams, and then obviously, you know, again, they have six in camp, but try to draft one. You know, again, I think they get, depending on what they do in free agency, I think there's enough needs to where you, maybe you don't want to force a pick on the first or second round, but who knows, based based on their board. But it's so deep. I mean, you're talking 15 to 20 deep. And as for Gronkowski, I would like to see him go with, play with the Buffalo Bills.
0: Okay, now you're letting your personal feelings yeah. enter into the well, picture here. Well,
1: supposedly he, he's come out and said, I would like to play with Joe Burrow. Um, obviously, you know, just based on what he did. And, and I think there was another team, the Bears, possibly, yeah, with a new coaching staff. I've, I've seen his name there, but I know got people in Buffalo really want him to come home.
0: 32 years old, 6'6, 265. If he still wants to play, he can play. Now, he's not on the field 75, 80% of the offensive snaps, but you pick and choose when you use him, and he is still. I think one of the most dominating tight ends, at least in our generation, MJ.
1: Well, the, the, the fact that what he did in the last two years—I mean, you're, you're talking about a guy that's dealt with a lot of injuries. And in his last Super Bowl, I mean, he was—he was—he had internal bleeding, was in a hospital for a few days. And and I know, you know, a family friend that knows the Gronks. Um, and every year, it's—is he going to play another year? And you know, you could see towards the postseason, he—you know—he obviously. Was still productive, but you could see that he was. It's a long season, and once you get a chance to win a couple of playoff games or get to the second round, I didn't. I didn't think he was efficient, but the numbers he put up shows he can still ball in the NFL.
0: Bring him back to Arizona, where he starred in college down in Tucson.
1: Well, he did say he would like to play for Kingsbury a few years ago.
0: Hey, wishful thinking, maybe. And what do you always say? It's it. Dreaming is free. Dreaming is free, Craig. You but, can certainly dream.
1: But it. it but again, I. I I'm glad we're talking about this position from a standpoint of because uh, I do think, you know, you never know because we're not negotiating, we're not in the room, um, we don't know the offer, Um, I'm sure the agents are going to do what's best for their clients, but it'd be really nice to see Ertz and Williams back and then draft a young guy for the future.
0: I would love to see, one, Ertz just because of his production, Max Williams, because one, he's such a great, valuable player on and off the field but it's that dual threat that he provides. He's a better blocker than a Zach Ertz. And how much blocking are you going to ask Zach Ertz to do if Max Williams is not on the football field? You do need potentially a sixth player with their hand in the dirt to maybe give Kyler Murray a little bit more time. And if you can block a little bit, i.e. Max Williams, and then flare out into the flat or coming across the middle. Cardinals, 12 personnel, meaning two tight ends, 21% of the time, which was the league average this past season.
1: Yeah, and, and and the fact is that I do think if you had a healthy Max Williams and Zach Ertz, I I would think that Cliff would go with some two tight end sets. I mean, he, you know, listen, you could still run out of that formation. Uh, clearly, if you you feel like you're going against a really good front four or front seven, um, and they both have experience. And, and the fact that Zach Ertz, to me, is only going to get better just based on knowing more of the offense, I mean – the fact that he was willing to go to Cleveland after, you know, he, he was traded. He played the night before. Sent on to playing with Kyler, tried to figure out the playbook. And, you know, just more in this offense, I think he could be more productive and more, you know, maybe when it comes to more touchdowns in the red zone, et cetera.
0: 56 catches in just 11 games. Just think about that. Play an additional six games, what those numbers could be like. Although, again, you factor in, a healthy DeAndre Hopkins, a healthy James Conner, and/or Chase Edmonds, or whomever, I think a lot of those targets, those receptions, those yards late in the season, because you didn't have number ten on the football field and you needed to move the ball down the field.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he was averaging ten, ten and a half targets per game, and you know, he, and Kyler was throwing to him. And, and one of the things that really stuck out to me was when he talked about, you know. Uh, I think was going into the playoffs and, and just the fact that the Rams didn't have their safeties and they brought in Weddle is that, you know, he'll run a route in the first quarter and then he'll run a different route in the, in the fourth quarter. And that tells me that he, he knows when he sees something that that can work. And it wouldn't surprise me that if you go back to the sidelines and you say whether it's Cam Turner Obviously, Cliff's got enough on his plate. Or Kyler saying, hey, I see this is open. Maybe it wasn't open in the first quarter, but let's try it in the fourth quarter. And that t- that tells me he's picking up the offense a little bit better than maybe he had prior.
0: No question tied in a part of this offense, this Kingsbury offense, and a large part of this offense address it in free agency, address it in the drafts, which leads us into our next conversation here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. And this is Combine Week, Tuesday through Saturday in Indianapolis, complete coverage all week on azcardinals.com. What everyone wants to see, and that is the on-field workouts. Those begin on Thursday, quarterbacks, wide receivers, tight ends. Friday, running backs, offensive linemen, and special teams Saturday, linebackers, defensive linemen, Sunday, defensive backs workouts. So the Cardinals will be there. We will be there as well as far as azcardinals.com. But this is really the next step, if you will, as far as getting all the information that you want, you hope to get, to be able to better make a decision come end of April with your first selection and then going into day two and day three.
1: Yeah, tight ends. Quarterbacks and wide receivers are going today. I'll just give you an idea of what they're going to be doing over the week. Registration, pre-exam, orientation, interviews. Tomorrow, general media exam, potentials, special studies, interviews. Wednesday, media, interviews, ortho exam, NFL PA meeting. Thursday, measurements, bench press, on-field, workout, depart. So that's their schedule. They're they're up early in the morning, and they stay up late, almost to 11 o'clock because each team – um, is it up to 30 players? I can't remember the exact number. That sounds
0: about right, but you can put in a request, and it's what you get, like 15 minutes yes. or 10 minutes per prospect, and it's literally, they say, you know, the, the car wash. You're going from yeah. one team to the next, yes. and there's someone that's walking you from one room to the next.
1: Yeah, and, and if teams go over, you got you got the other team knocking on the door because you're taking some of their time away. So it's, it's very competitive, and, you know, the, the good news is the scouts have been talking to their position coach, their head coach, their strength coach, so it's not like you don't, you don't know a lot about these guys. And the Cardinals can bring in. Hopefully this year they can bring in some players, but also they're going to go to a lot of pro days, and you can have those conversations on the side if you're not sure about something. Cardinals
0: will be well represented. General Manager Steve Kime, Head Coach Cliff Kingsbury. In fact, they'll address the media on Tuesday of this week as far as their media obligations, but it is about speaking to prospects, watching prospects, and then the medical evaluations as well. That, to me, is what this has become a part of. I know TV-wise, it's all about the 40-yard dash, the on-field workouts. And for some players, if you want to separate yourself, that's a great way because it's all a balanced field. Everything is on the same page, if you will, as far as environment surface at Indianapolis, but it's about making sure that these players are healthy and then getting to know the person. I think for most part the scouts know the player, but getting to know the person and as far as football IQ, passion for the game because as you always like to say, MJ, there are two things you cannot measure on film. What's between the ears and what's in your chest as far as smarts and passion for this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, do you love football or is it just a job? Do you want to be good or you want to be great? And there's a difference in and- you know, you can ask a lot of questions, and some guys, you know, uh, agents do a good job. You know, kind of um, setting them up to where you're not going, you know, you're not going to be able to surprise them. But there is, you know, a portion of the interview that you put them on the chalkboard and you go back to their film. What were you thinking here? What would you do in this situation? So you want to be able to process information more, probably for quarterbacks and other players. But this is the biggest job interview they'll have in their entire life, and first impressions mean a lot. It doesn't mean. You know, you gotta you gotta answer the questions right. Just be honest, and if you don't know something, you don't know something. That's something you can learn. But in um, teams, will use this in the future when these guys become free agents. I mean, they have all the uh, the data and everything else. So it may not happen this time around, but when they come a free agent, say, well, we like what he did there. What's he done in the last few years? Can he help us? Um, but again, there's there's you're gonna see some guys that are. Um, projected to go in the top five, they're not going to work out. They'll work out the pro day. Some guys are having surgery, so they're not going to work out. Uh, Matt, the quarterback from Old Miss. Matt Carroll. Matt Carroll's not going to throw. But if you're you're any other quarterback, I mean, Kyler didn't have to throw because he was projected to be the first overall pick. He didn't even run. He didn't do any bench presses. But for some of these other guys in it looks like right now we may not have a quarterback drafted in the top 12. Who knows, you know, Carolina, there's there's teams if they don't get that veteran guy. Um, but to me, the, you got to go out there and show with your worth. And, you know, Josh Allen worked out and, you know, a lot, a lot of guys work out and, and you use that as, as as your, um you know, your resume. So... And some of these guys that maybe didn't t- they tapped out and didn't play last year's because of COVID or they obviously started getting ready for the draft. I mean, there, there's no days off here. You have to go out there and show what you're worth. And, you know, these guys have been working out since the bowl games have ended. Some guys were, worked out prior to that. They, they go to L.A. and they pay a ton of money uh, to make sure they're in shape. They do all the drills so when they go there they're not foreign to it. And they do take tests. Um, they had the Wonder tests, and, you know, it's different questions. So, um, it's a lot of a lot of be- between the years, but what they're really looking at is can you process information and can you go out there and play freely? And we know it doesn't happen overnight.
0: Now I know you have already marked out times during the day, beginning on Thursday and then Friday and into the weekend, as far as where you'll be and what you'll be watching on the NFL Network, as far as combine workouts on field. What do you What do you pay attention to before I give you my two cents? Because I do think that. Not that it's overrated, but some of these drills, like an offensive lineman running a 40-yard dash, means absolutely nothing. No I, one runs. I agree. An offensive lineman and defensive lineman doesn't run 40 yards.
1: I I want to know what their 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 10-yard is. What's it, What's it like? How, how fast can they get from z- zero to 10? Um, three cone drill. In other words, you're gonna sometimes you're gonna to have to go out and block uh, on a screenplay. Lateral movement. Lateral movement exactly and. Um, for me, linemen, when it comes to D linemen and uh, offensive linemen, I want to see how much you can bench press. What's your upper body like? You, you, you may have a lower torso, it looks like a, a fire hygiene, but what can you Because you're talking about 300 pound men that you literally have to just shed the block. So that's important to me. Um, when it comes to the skill position players, I do want to see them run the 40. Uh, corners, can they cover? Um, but I'm not going to get caught up in this guy ran a 4 6 because Larry Fitzgerald. He didn't have a great 40 time. Anquan Bolden didn't have a great 40 time. Yes, it looks good. How long did John Ross last in the league? He has the fastest 40 time. You look, you look at guys like DK Metcalf and you know some others. So um, when it comes to skill position players, I do think it's important. And I, and I want to see him run the the, the wide receiver gauntlet drill because it's, it's coming fast and furious at you, and you got to be able to turn around and catch the ball down this line. And if you're not staying on the line, then you're not basically staying in bounds. How about this nuggets on the 40 yard dash, Cooper Cup,
0: best wide receiver in football, correct? Yes. All right. He ran the fourth slowest 40 yard dash at the combine of all wide receivers taken in the top 3 rounds of the last 10 NFL drafts. He ran a 46.2 in 2017 was a 3rd round draft pick. So with wide receivers, it's not how fast you run a straight line. How fast you get off the line of scrimmage. Can you beat your man? Can you get off press coverage? Christian Kirk doesn't have a lot of speed. But if you run your route well, if you're a good route runner, you can get that separation and have a good two or three steps on a defender going downfield. So 40-yard dash, it's fun. I'm not one to make a big deal out of it outside what you said, cornerbacks, because how much – Makeup speed do you have if you get beats or if you're a safety and coming over to help? How quickly do you get over there? So some of these drills, I think, more for TV purposes, but we're all going to hear it. Guys are going to rise. They're going to fall based off their 40 time. Doesn't matter for a quarterback. Doesn't matter for an offensive line, defensive lineman, linebackers, maybe. But it's more about how well do you move
1: side to side, front and back? Well, I mean... Football, first of all, I mean, the Cardinals drafted J.J. Nelson and John Brown. I mean, they weren't the biggest guys in the world, but you can't teach speed. Uh, but there's also there's other aspects to where, look at Cooper Cup and his route running. Now, Aaron Donald ran a 4.6840 at the combine in 2014, the fastest of any player, 280 pounds plus, And he also completed 35 bench reps, tied for the most of them any player under two hundred ninety pounds so and tom brady ran a five two four um at the combine and uh, i'm trying to look um roethlisberger he did not run and that was only two quarterbacks have slower times than tom brady (laughs) and here he's got seven super bowls and that and And he checked in at six four three eights two eleven um hand size was pretty good um
0: That's another measurement that people make a big deal. How big is your hand if you're a quarterback? Can you get your entire hand around the football? What's your grip going to be like? And that's what Cody Pickett. All of a sudden, it's, you know, you don't have a large enough hand size. Well, you've been playing football at quarterback since high school, college, and you perform well. All of a sudden, now we're worried about hand size?
1: Well, it's just we go back to Jamar Chase. I mean, the ball was a little bit bigger, and he was dropping it in training camp, and everyone's calling for, you know, draft Panay Sewell. And luckily, he had an outstanding year. So, yeah, you know, Jared Goff – he had small hands. I mean, again, they didn't forget how to play the position. It's just, you know, teams get fixated on numbers. And, you know, um, I know his coach at Pittsburgh came out and said, this is ridiculous. Um, you know, if we're talking about this kind of stuff, and he won't be the first or last guy when it comes to hands, uh, hand size. It's it's part yeah. of the
0: evaluation, part of the information that is gathered. And then you go back and, all right, regardless of times sizes measurements how do they perform on the film so a lot of these scouts will after the combine go back to the film I was like all right now that we know x y and z how was he able to do abc on the football field so well despite what we perceive to be slow speed or lack of hand size or he didn't bench as many reps as we thought but he was still able to to get by offensive linemen or move defensive linemen away on that line of scrimmage.
1: All right, let's have the Isaiah Simmons flashback here. So Talk about first impressions, listening to him speak.
0: That was a good first impression. And then even a better impression when he did go through his
1: workouts. Okay, so he checked in, um, measured 6'3", 5'8", very similar size to DK Metcalf, but he weighed heavier than Roquan Smith, He also had a faster 40-yard dash than Devin Hester. That's saying something. And he had a higher vertical and jump than Julio Jones, and he had a long, broad jump to measure the explosive of Alvin Kamara. I mean, you're talking about a linebacker. Devin Hester, to me, should have been a Hall of Famer. Okay, He's the best return guy. Julio Jones is going to go to a Hall of Fame. And you, you look at DK Metcalf, I mean, he's he's one of their top targets in Seattle. So that was a great flashback, just watching him go out there and just kill it. And we've
0: seen him perform like that on the football field on Sundays as one. I think he is getting better. He's understanding what he can do, what his athleticism allows him to do in the National Football League.
1: Now, the the NFL, they, they sent out this research, and it was interesting when they compared J.J. Watt to T.J. Watt. So TJ, JJ was 6'5", his brother was 6'4", weight 290, his brother was 252, hand size 11 each, bench press, um, JJ did 34, he only did 21, In the 40-yard dash, JJ ran a 4'9", his brother ran a 4'6", obviously a little bit lighter, but that was interesting to where... You compare him, and, and again, we're talking 2011, 2017, and his brother to me right now. He's he's much heavier, and he's probably one of the best pass rushers in football.
0: Well, just named Defensive Player of the Year, so yeah. Some of these some of these numbers that will come out this week from Indianapolis, you know, you take with a grain of salt, and then you figure out. All right, let's look at these players two, three years into their careers, and how much better they become because they figure out what their Abilities allow them to do on the football field. And then it goes, you know, guys change positions as well. I found this also interesting as we get more and more nuggets regarding the scouting combine. And everyone wants to look for offensive linemen because you need a good offensive line to be successful. Super Bowl winning teams over the last five seasons, their offensive lines. So you're talking 25 players, only three of those 25 players, first round draft picks. The last five Super Bowl-winning teams, just three first-round draft picks. There were four day two picks, seven day three picks, one undrafted free agent, and ten veteran free agents or players acquired, veterans acquired via a trade. So there are many ways to build your offensive line. And if you're in win-now mode, meaning you believe that this upcoming season you have a better chance at winning than, say, another team, yeah, you look in free agency because you want someone to come in and perform right away. Now, someone should drop at number 23, an offensive lineman that maybe is available or you think can be a factor this season, whether week one or later on. Remember, D.J. Humphreys redshirted his entire year. Now he's one of the best left tackles in the league.
1: Yeah, I I, I want this team to get better in the trenches, but we're just going to have to wait and see what they do in free agency. I mean, they could be looking at upgrading both guard spots. Again, we'll wait and see, but – you know, I I do agree, and I think it was Daniel and Jeremiah came out last week and just said you could find these guys in the third and fourth round. Now, you know, obviously there's a premium out of left tackles. Um, you know, usually if you play guard, you can also play center, so there's uh, position flexibility there uh, and durability. So, I you know, uh, there's no Jonathan um, uh, uh Jonathan Ogden. Jonathan Ogden. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some guys that are going to be Pro Bowl players, but. You know, again, I I want to get better in the trenches, so we'll wait for the first wave in free agency. Um, But I think they have more pressing needs, edge rusher, cornerback, wide receiver, um, and you can address the offensive line in the middle rounds.
0: It's funny you bring up edge rusher and cornerback. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network analyst, who I think is one of the better respected analysts when it comes to looking at draft prospects. His second mock draft had the Cardinals selecting Washington corner Kyler Gordon a redshirt junior, and we know the Cardinals' success and fascination with corners or defensive backs out of Washington and out of the states of Washington. But in his first mock draft, he had the Cardinals going edge rusher. Michigan's David Ojabo, a redshirt sophomore. So when you're looking at the Cardinals specifically this week, perhaps it's – I guess you could look at any – position as far as these prospects are concerned but if you're watching specifically for these on-field drills mj where are you most likely to, is it going to be at rusher and corner
1: yeah i mean you know again not so much on the 40 time with those guys but just you know how do they how do they look in pass protection and how are they able to rush the passer um you know the three cone drill um being able to go you know, do do some gassers where, you know, football stop and play all the time, you know, even though you got 30 seconds in between, you got to line up again. So yeah, it's just more technique stuff there because they're really not putting pads on and you're not really allowed to hit, but it's more just the technique and, you know, how their sets look when it comes to a left tackle or a guard versus a pass rusher. And some guys, you know, some guys play better with their hand in the dirt. Some guys play better with uh, standing up on the outside. So I, I think, the thing is you want to make these guys uncomfortable. Don't get, let them feel like they figured everything out because there's going to be times where you're going to be asked to play left guard or right guard. Sometimes you're going to be asked to play that defensive tackle and defensive end. So kind of make them uncomfortable where they're not um, – they can't master the, the the test.
0: There is one position and maybe one position only that this team does not have to worry about when it comes to draft prospects. When this one position is on the field or is – Being paraded around as far as interviews are concerned, the Cardinals can say, you know what, thanks but no thanks, we're good. And that position is quarterback. They had their quarterback. Kyler Murray's not going anywhere. I know he's in the news and a lot surrounding Kyler Murray. We'll hear from general manager Steve Kime and maybe Cliff Kingsbury on the matter as well. But it is good to be the Cardinals as far as going into this offseason, whether you're talking about free agency or the draft, and not have to worry about figuring out what you're doing at the most important position on the football field
1: yeah and I think it's a big year for both Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury they definitely made strides and, and you know nobody was happy what happened how the season ended. clearly nobody was happy the way that uh, playoff game ended and you know again you got to get him some weapons you got to get protection You got to get better on defense so um, you know they both made strides as a head coach and a quarterback you know you go from the win total um, but at this point in time, you know, in this division and in this conference, I mean, you got to take care of business, and it's really it's all how you end the season. You can't be limping into playoffs like they did a year ago, so I think it's a big year. Last year, I thought they made a lot of progress. I got You know, we got a chance to watch them in training camp, and I was really excited about the offense and just how it was humming, and hopefully they can kind of hit that reset button, but it's going to be an important year for the head coach and the quarterback. Quarterback play, huge. If you don't have a quarterback you don't have a chance. Sorry, Bertram Barry, but that's just the reality well, in the NFL. I mean, you're seeing it. I mean, I, I think if you don't have a top 15 quarterback, you're looking for one.
0: Yes, that's that's a good way of saying it. you're yeah. you're looking to upgrade. Yeah, because you're not quite satisfied with what you've got. Exactly,
1: and you know, 14 teams make the playoffs. So if you if you have a top 15 quarterback, you have a chance in this league. And then the other 17 teams are trying to figure it out. They're always they're always trying to upgrade that position, and it, and it takes time. I mean, since they moved here. Who's really quarterbacks you can say that really held their water? Jake Plummer, Carson Palmer, Kurt Warner, and now Kyler Murray. Obviously, he's got to play a lot longer to earn that. But, yeah, I mean, it's, I think there's 15. If you don't have a top 15 quarterback, it's difficult, and you're always trying to find it. And that's why you see G- GMs and head coaches get fired every year.
0: A lot of information, a lot of news is going to come out of Indianapolis all week long. Again, azcardinals.com and right here on Cardinals Cover 2 we will do our best to keep everyone updated as it pertains to how it affects the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned it. Uh, Steve Kime will address the media along with Cliff Kingsbury, so obviously we'll get a chance to uh, possibly discuss that. Um, we're also going to be on the Red Sea Report on Tuesday. We'll come back and do another podcast on Wednesday, kind of more information coming out. And then we'll start to see when these guys finally get on the field later in the week who is who is rising and who's falling and again, it's really the underwear Olympics. so don't get fixated on that. It's more about the meetings, getting to know the person and, and putting them in a situation where can they, can they go on a chalkboard and really uh, process information? I know it's you know, they're going to go back to their game so they should be aware of what's going on. But you know at this level, you have to be able to process information. I don't care what position you play. Well
0: said.